John Krasinski was in Cleveland for All-Star Weekend. I want to get right to what he saw, what he experienced. It was a very entertaining game, and there were a lot of Timberwolves connections. So what was your main takeaway from, from that weekend, John? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think um, to, to kind of start it in, in locally with most, most Wolves fans listening to this, the, the main takeaway I had from the weekend was sort of a continuation on a theme for Carl Anthony Towns. And the, the theme has been that he has sort of rediscovered the happiness that he has playing basketball this year. Um, you know, we, we've kind of talked ad nauseum really about all the things that he's been through and sort of the sullen and, and, and nature of, of his kind of outlook on basketball in general over the previous two years. And that's totally justifiable on his part and understandable. Um, but for a player who beat prior to that, those dark days had played with such passion and such emotion to see some of that return this year on the court with the Wolves, um, but then you know, especially this weekend, he's winning the three-point contest, and you could not wipe the smile off of his face. He's you know he's sitting courtside and watching Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards play in the Rising Stars game on Friday night. He was kind of going up and down on on Sunday in the All Star game, and I think that it's just really important for what, where this franchise is and where it can go because. Coming into this season, there was a lot of whispers that maybe Towns was the next player to say, I want out of here. This isn't for me. I got to go somewhere else. And I was never in that group, but there were people around the league watching to see if he would sort of pull the ejection handle and say, you know, I, I, it, it's time for me. This, is, this has been too long. I'm miserable. I got to move on. But he is clearly as happy, just as purely as happy as he's ever been. Uh, in a Wolves uniform. And so uh, I, th- I just thought that was really, you know, really enjoyable to see, you know, him with Wiggins and Levine re- re- reconnecting in uh, on Sunday. Like um, there's just, there was so much joy ab- about it that um, you, you just, you, you could not ignore you know, just how, how much fun he was having out there. And it was, it, it was really, it, it was a, it was kind of a heartwarming scene to see that happen. It's also really interesting to see the big former, Big three, or maybe little three, mm-hmm. however you want to phrase it, all really having a good time. And Levine's having, d- doing very well in Chicago. Wiggins is having maybe his best season as a pro. And Towns is playing like a true all-star. And, and he won the three-point contest. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It, you know, it, it did really remind me, Jim, of in Toronto, 2015 all-star game in Toronto. Um, you had Wiggins in the Rising Stars. You had Levine winning the dunk contest. Towns won the three uh, the uh, skills competition. They were, they were these young kids, like they barely had any scruff on their chins, and but they were they were kind of taking over All Star Weekend prior to the game on Sunday. Like it was a Timberwolves weekend that way, and um, there was a Timberwolves element to this weekend with Towns, you know, winning the three point contest and really kind of sticking it to Shaq and and Charles Barkley and those guys who have just said, you know, you got to park your, your butt in the paint and and score down there. And so um, he was having fun with that. The other part of it was, I mean, I wrote a big story at it at the athletic about, you know, the sort of um, promise being fulfilled uh, for Levine Wiggins and towns by being in the all-star game and what that meant to flip Saunders and how much he believed in those three. And, to see them get not only get to an all-star game, 
but have it happen in Cleveland, in Flip's hometown. Like there was a lot of sort of symmetry to it that was really, really cool. And I talked to Ryan Saunders about, you know, seeing the three of them in, uh, you know, in the all-star game and the three of them in, in, in just spending a lot of time around them all weekend, you could just tell how much they enjoyed being back together. And it, they had just this natural chemistry that fell right back into when they were all together in, in a Wolves uniform. And there was a playfulness and a kind of a, a youthful energy to them that was just really fun. Like, you know, I know they didn't win many games when they were in Minnesota, um, I know that everyone is happy with Anthony Edwards and um, and and the trajectory that this Wolves team is on right now. But to kind of think back to those days and flip running the show and those, you know, and those three just kind of, you know, wide eyed and bushy tailed and kind of running around the league like the kids that they were. It just kind of takes you back to a, a little bit more a, a simpler time. So the nostalgia was really kind of thick, uh, especially on Sunday as they were out on the court together for Team Durant. This is the John Krasinski Show. This is part of TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. We do recommend subscribing at your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is the easiest way to listen, but you can always go to TalkNorth.com, see all the shows and all the archives. Uh, Cheryl Reeve, Anthony Lepanta, Michael Russo, Jeff Diamond, John Millay, John Krasinski, uh, Mike Grimm, On the Bench Guys, uh, outdoor content, just a massive amount of stuff. Uh, We really appreciate you listening, and uh, we hope to see you at a a live show soon out at Tuttle's in Hopkins. We'll let you know when we have a firm date on that. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And, uh, you know, let's kind of reset now. Uh, The Wolves were tired before the break. Uh, We're past the trading deadline. We know exactly how close they are to moving up in the standings and who's chasing them. What should the realistic expectation of this team be at this moment? Yeah, you know, I mean, I do think that they did hit a bit of a wall going into the break. Um, And, you know, they lost three of their last five going in to the all-star break and they just didn't seem to have their legs. So what the hope is, is that, they found a way to recharge. They got their feet in some sand. They just relaxed a little bit and they're going to come back starting Thursday night against Memphis and really have a lot of juice and, and get ready to go because they do have very little margin for error now going into this stretch run. There are 23 games left in the season. It is going to go by in the blink of an eye. That's just the way that this happens. I mean, some people, casual fans may think that the all-star break is sort of at the midpoint of the season. Season's two thirds over. It's, you know, it's go time for the Wolves. And so they come out of it. They're going to come out of the break and they are two and a half games behind Denver for the sixth seed in the West. That, um, is a coveted spot because they would not have to be in the play-in tournament. They would be able to just be automatically in the playoffs if you got that six seed. That is also going to be a difficult proposition for them to sort of chase down because Denver is playing very well. Um, the and and their schedule coming out of the break, Jim, is it's brutal, man. You got Memphis and Philadelphia at home in a home back-to-back Thursday and Friday. Then you go at Cleveland on Monday. Then you go Golden State at home. Um, and, and so those first four games out of the break are really, really difficult. Uh, then you get Oklahoma City. You get Portland a couple times. You get Oklahoma City again in Orlando. But there, there's going to be some really tough stretches here over the last month and a half 
two months of the season before they get to the playoffs. So they are really going to need, absolutely need to just be totally locked in when they come back. And you got to hope that Anthony Edwards ankle is feeling better. You got to hope that D'Angelo Russell has, you know, kind of a bounce more back in his step. Patrick Beverly is closer to full, full hundred percent than he was. Um, and, and you got to go guns blazing here because you're two and a half behind Denver for the six. You're also only two and two games up of the Clippers for the seven or for the eighth spot. So what they really want to do is, is just be ready because um, the schedule's not easy, especially coming right out of the break, and they're going to have to put their foot on the gas right away and just go. They did talk a lot about tired legs before the break. Are there any actual injuries for this team to worry about right now? You, you know, I don't really think so. Edwards did sprain his ankle before mm-hmm. the, the break, and he played in the Toronto game, played very poorly in the Toronto game, but he did play. Um, and so I do think it was bothering him because he only played – uh, in the Rising Stars game on Friday night in Cleveland, there's a, the format is you play two games, um, it, it, or his team won, and so he advanced, and they they, they could have played uh, the final, but he did not play in the final, uh, and he said it it had nothing to do with his ankle. I have to think that some part of it uh, was ankle related, and he just didn't want to push it. His knee has been bothering him too for a lot of the season, and so I don't think it's like. Um, you know, a, a real kind of injury per se, but it is, you know, it, it, he was banged up. And so I hope, you know, that and the Wolves certainly hope that a, a, almost a full week off, you know, he, he left Friday night right after the game to go down to Miami and chill out for a little bit. Um, and, and so that should be okay uh, when, when, when they come back. Then other than that, there's not anything really – you know, kind of lingering out there. D'Angelo Russell has played with some nicks and some bruises, but I'm sure, you know, having this week off will be good for him. Patrick Beverly was coming back from his, um, from, I think it's from a groin strain and just was not, um, you know, was, was not all the way back to himself once he returned. But again, another week off should be enough to kind of get him ready to go. So um, they should be pretty close to full go a hundred percent. Uh, when they when they play a, against Memphis on Thursday night, and they're going to need it, man, because Memphis is really really good, and I'm sure they have a score to settle with the Wolves after they got blown out at Target Center, you know, earlier this season. What makes Memphis good besides Ja? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think it's come it's become cliche, you know, the grit and grind and the mentality and stuff, but they do just have an identity about them. They have a swagger and a toughness and um, a, a just an overall confidence that everyone plays with. Dylan Brooks, you know, Desmond Bain. I mean, a lot of these guys are young, but they are cocky in a very good way. They talk a lot of smack. They want to fight you every single night. And in a regular season, that can be very long and very grueling and, and it can be really hard to get up, you know, for every game, these guys get up from almost every game. And so they are winning a lot of these games just through sheer force of will. Taylor Jenkins is a really good young coach. He knows what he's doing there. He's ironed out a lot of the defensive issues that they were having early in the season. And now they're playing a lot better that way. Um, but they just have a really nice balance of, of, of pieces that 
fit together. And, you know, it's Ja running the thing, but Tyus Jones is having a great year. Bain, you know, it, it, it has really been an incredible a late first round draft pick for the Grizzlies and one of the best shooters in the league. Dylan Brooks is super tough. Um, you know, they just got a whole bunch of guys that that just seem to fit together that want to play. Jaron Jackson Jr. has been kind of a breakout guy coming back from some injury plague seasons. And so they get after you, they they rebound, they play really hard, and they make you earn every victory. And um, that's why they're just like, they're just out working guys, teams for most of this season and climbing up the, the Western Conference charts. We're going to bounce back and forth between All-Star Weekend, Towns' uh, three-point title, and Timberwolves and NBA issues. For right, right now, though, we would like to tell you more about Head Flyer Brewing. That's right, Jim. So uh, wife and I just uh, once again went back to Head Flyer uh, recently, uh, stopped into the tap room. It's on the Northeast Hennepin Avenue, Northeast Minneapolis, just off of 35W, super accessible. Picked up a growler of Wicked Jump Shot to bring home with us. We had a you know had a pint while we were there, just relaxed and had a good time. And it is a great place to go. They have unbelievable beer um, and a great selection. And right now they have launched their Insider Rewards program. Headflyer Insiders get free stuff just for drinking beer, free pints, free crowlers, free merch. You can save your points. You can spend them however you like. You can earn points today on a Wicked Jump Shot pint or you can take it home in a crowler or a growler. Anything you can do, just walk in. Tell them you want to sign up for the Insider Rewards program. Tell them the John Krasinski show sent you and start earning points for free beer. I mean, how can you beat that? Um, so stop in Head Flyer Brewing or you can go to headflyerbrewing.com. And if you can't make it into the tap room, you can always find some great Head Flyer brews at your local liquor stores in the metro area. Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. I'd also thank, like to thank our longtime sponsors, TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR time. We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hit by a driver with no insurance? Yes. How about if not enough insurance? Yep. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. We'd also like to thank Memorial Blood Center doing very important work in the Twin Cities. If you're listening to this show, there's something I already know about you. You're a generous person and you care about your community. Our local Memorial Blood Centers is looking for generous blood donors to step up and help patients in our nearby hospitals. There's no synthetic substitute for blood. It takes a human being, and only eligible donors can help meet the need. Plus, it takes less than an hour from start to finish, a small price to pay when your blood can literally help save a life. Visit mbc.org to learn more or call 1-888-448-3253. So let's get into Towns winning the three-point contest. I actually kind of liked his chances because he's a set shooter. He doesn't have to jump and reset every time. He can just turn to shoot. Plus, he's having an amazing season as a three-point shooter, even in games. Yeah, 41% from three. And, and I, honestly, I, I was shocked, Jim, if I if I wanted to risk getting fired from the athletic. <laughs> I would have put money down on Towns at the casino in Cleveland um, before I went into the three-point shooting co- contest because he was – in some sports books, he was a 12 to one underdog to win that thing. Um, and you're right in terms of, he is a set shooter. He's not a jump shooter. So like he got through the racks easily with plenty of time. And I do just think he's underestimated because he is a big guy and it sounds crazy. Like how do you underestimate anything 
in this day and age of social media, of data analytics, of of everything that you look at. But uh, he's he is not just you know uh, the maybe the best shooting big of all time, and we can debate Dirk Nowitzki or him. And and Dallas Mavericks fans gets very upset when you suggest that Towns is a better shooter than Dirk Nowitzki, even though he is by percentage wise a better shooter than Dirk Nowitzki. Um, but he's like, he's just one of the best shooters in the league, period. Not just bigs, but best shooters, period. And um, and so he went in there on Saturday night and he knew he was under the radar. You know, after the after he won it, he came into the press conference room and was crowing and hollering about, you know, who bet on me? No, none of y'all bet on me, that kind of thing, because he was the underdog by this by the sports books. But he's got an incredible shooting motion. He has been a great shooter since he stepped on the floor in the NBA. And I think it maybe opened some people's eyes who don't necessarily watch the Timberwolves all the time or don't don't pay attention. But that was not a fluke. Like he can do that and do that, you know, often. So um, it was a bit of validation for him and for his father who really worked with him and making him a, a, a three-point shooter. But also just, you know, you look at the faces of the other contestants, Luke Kennard and um, Trey Young and and and, and CJ McCollum and all these guys, and they watched him just kind of rip through that rack, setting a record in the in the final uh, round with twenty nine points. I mean, they just their eyes were wide and they just shook their heads and man and 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 couldn't do anything but give him props because it was a a record breaking performance. It was a it was an incredible performance. He just he just blew right through it. Towns is shooting in games and in that contest. Good reminder that Charles Barkley at some point in the last five years went from being a basketball analyst to being an entertainer. Uh, he wants Carl yeah. Anthony Towns to back up, back down mm-hmm. and shoot little hook shots over people. No, Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> should probably take more threes. Right. Especially on this team, Jim, where there's, I mean, there's just not a, a, a ton of high percentage three point shooters now. And, and the, the Wolves were on TNT earlier this season and we got the same tired stuff from Shaq and Barkley about, um, about, you know, why is he shooting all these threes? Here's the dirty little secret though, that obviously that they don't pay attention to, they don't watch the Timberwolves very closely, but Towns is actually shooting fewer threes this season than he has in in years and part of that is because now he has anthony edwards who is a volume three-point shooter malik beasley uh d'angelo russell you have he has more shooting around him than than he has before but also he has just definitely been more aggressive in terms of going to the basket he's he's uh driving to the hoop much more than he has in recent years part of that is his knee is healthy his wrist is pretty healthy like he's feeling better but I think also he sees what kind of pressure that puts on the defense that he can drive and either kick to um, to, to guys for wide open threes or score at the basket himself. Um, so like the numbers say that, you know, his 5.2 attempts per game are the lowest since 2018-19 uh, uh, for him. Like he was shooting eight threes a game in 2019-20. He shot 6.3 uh, threes a game last season. It's at 5.2. Um, so I, you know, like you said, like, I would think that if, if Chris Finch was, was honest and, and just kind of laid it out there, I would say that he probably wants to see Towns take it up a couple of notches, maybe to six or seven threes a game, because he is, he's hitting 41% from three, um, on, on a really good volume. So let it fly, but also, you know, 
him being able to strike that balance of hitting those threes, but also keeping the defense honest and going into the paint when he can um, is a beautiful combination. He's having the best season that he's had, I think, in his entire career. And um, he is striking that balance. He doesn't want you don't want him to have shoot settle too often for the three, but he absolutely cannot be the guy that just parks on the left block and goes to work in the post. That does not work. He's not as great at that, especially when they double him. So he's finding the right mix and he's doing it his way. And I do think that, you know, him winning the three-point contest was certainly some validation for that. No doubt about that. Coming up very quickly here, John Krasinski's world-famous Manscaped commercial. First of all, I want to tell you that uh, utility costs are rising every year and it's unnecessarily costing money, but it doesn't have to be that way. With a new system from All Energy Solar, even if you have to take out a loan to finance your installation, you'll still save money in the long run. The loan payment will likely be less than what you would pay for electricity every month, and it's a locked-in price that won't change. So start saving and make the switch to All Energy Solar. Book your appointment today at allenergysolar.com. Again, we will get you a dates and time and information on our next live show at Tuttle's Eat Bowl Play in Hopkins. We appreciate them sponsoring the show and hosting the show. Uh, I would recommend following following us on Twitter. Uh, We will put out that information as soon as we have it. And now, get ready to blush. (laughs) Here's John on Manscaped. That's right, guys. You've heard me uh, uh, kind of promoting Manscaped for a long time as the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. But did you also know that Manscaped is the global leader in below-the-waist hygiene? That's right. They're turning men's shower dreams into their favorite routine with the new ultra-premium collection. Let me walk you through the Manscaped shower routine. Step one, lather on the cologne-infused ultra-premium body wash with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean and moisturized all day. Step two, it's hair care time. Apply the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner that cleanses and nourishes in one step. The non-greasy formula has a base of coconut water, green tea, aloe turmeric, and sage. Apply this to your armpits and your pubic region too. Step three, once you hop out of the shower, protect yourself from body odor by applying on the uh, by putting on the manscaped aluminum free deodorant this deodorant dries clear and is also cologne infused step four if you have tattoos or dry skin let's hit your skin with the hydrating body moisturizer spray and step five apply the manscaped lip balm that's right manscaped lip balm this is a free gift when you purchase the ultra premium collection so if you get 20 percent off and free shipping on the ultra premium collection with the code athletic at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com it's time to get wet and clean with your new manscaped shower routine when i was covering baseball uh you know baseball writers really love the sport they cover and maybe that's true across all platforms but man baseball writers really love baseball and I remember covering the All-Star Game at Fenway Park, and they brought out Ted Williams in a in a, a wheelchair, and all the current and former All-Stars gathered around him. And it was just this beautiful, beautiful moment. And, of course, what I heard from a lot of my peers at that time was, you know, no other sport can, does this kind of stuff, this quaint, heartwarming kind of stuff. I think the NBA uh, had, did that this weekend. I thought their uh, tribute to the 75 greatest players was outstanding. It was it was amazing, Jim, um, to, to watch it happen during halftime of the All-Star game. And I mean, you know, there, there were some guys who could not make it or some who have passed on. Um, but the vast majority 
of the top 75 players of all time were there and to see them all on one stage to see them you know kind of laughing and joking with each other um it was a thrill it was you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar you had um excuse me you had so many great ones you had Kevin McHale you had Dennis Rodman was there you had um, all, all of these greats that were there and obviously like the headliner, the very last uh, person announced was Michael Jordan and he comes out and he had an enormous smile on his face. He was back slapping. He was hugging. Um, he was kind of really soaking in that moment. And to me, Jim, like the really the coolest part about it was it wasn't just retired players that were part of this. Obviously, you had LeBron James, you had Steph Curry, you had James Harden, you had sub, many you know, active guys that were there, too, and, and welcomed in with open arms to that group. And the, the appreciation and the respect both ways was just really cool to see. I mean, so often, you know, you can see this generational divide between players of the, of the past and the present. And, you know, especially some of the, the, the old heads kind of criticizing the, the younger guys and the style of play and all these things, but none of that was there during that, um, that ceremony on Sunday. It was all love. It was all respect. KG was there. That was pretty, that was cool. He is such a historian and, you know, he loves kind of the game so much that way. Um, that, you know, you could just see that they were all really, really soaking it up. And there were a lot of the guys, the active players who, you know, were not on that list that were sitting there and watching. I talked to Zach Levine after the game, and he said that he hopes, you know, when they go for the NBA 100 in 25 years, maybe his name can be on there. Carl Anthony Towns said the same thing to me. And and so you you saw just the sort of the, the the appreciation that the young guys have for everything that the that the old guys accomplished that was and and so that was super cool as far as the game it's really easy to rip on all-star games I mean baseballs works because defense is going to try its best yeah uh, and the game actually means something whether it should or not uh, football's a joke hockey is I don't know I, I think hockey works for hockey fans uh, the NBA the cool thing is yeah you might not see real defense. But the athletes are so spectacular and the skills are so spectacular that I think they always win the day. Watching Steph Curry shoot 40.3 pointers is going to work in any context. For sure. It, it, it was, you know, it, it kind of the all-star game and, and ever since that they have put in the Elam ending in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. um, it, it, so it, it kind of uh, it has now established a really cool pattern. For, for these NBA All-Star games. The first two quarters, especially, usually into the third quarter, you're really just seeing a, a, an exhibition of skill of, you know, like high-flying dunks, behind-the-back passes, deep three-pointers, you know, those kinds of things. And that's fun. You know, it's, it's not super competitive. It's not, you know, it's, it's definitely just a, an All-Star game. There's not a whole lot of defense being played. But then, you know, towards the middle of the third and, and end of the third and get into the fourth where the Elam ending is, now the, the competitive juices do start flowing. And you can feel it in the arena when players start to lock in. Giannis was the first one to do it in, in the third quarter on Sunday where you could say, okay, he stopped messing around. Now it's winning time and he's going for it. Um and and they get into this fourth quarter where it's a race to a certain number of points. It's not timed. It's a race to a certain number of points. 
and there's some tension and there's excitement and it turns into a real game. Now the final score was 163 to 160. So, I mean, you know, it, it's obvious, like, like it's crazy that way, but a lot of that was the first three quarters of no defense and just kind of putting on a show in the fourth quarter. It, it, it did, it got, it, it got, it got competitive people locked into it and really got going with it, which was, which is a lot of fun. So it's nice to, to like kind of run the whole gamut of, of exhibition play um, in a game like that. And, uh, and yeah, I, I do enjoy, I enjoy it a lot more now it's that it's structured like this than I did, you know, in the past where there was, it was definitely just more of a Harlem Globetrotters type of a type of a game than anything else. I'm curious about uh, what the, you think, the NBA player reaction to the Jawan Howard incident would be. You know, I wrote about it, and I think that uh, while Howard was certainly wrong to throw a, a punch, I really thought Greg Gard caused the altercation by almost treating Jawan Howard like he was some kind of kid who needed to be lectured. Right. Uh, what did you What did you think of it, and what do you think NBA players uh, thought about it? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, you can't you can't do what Jawan Howard did. Like that was that's just very much to me the biggest problem that I had with Jawan Howard's response is that it put his players in a t- difficult position. So you saw the way that they like rallied to his defense, started throwing punches, and you know obviously they are going to take cues from their leader. If their leader is getting physically aggressive, they are going to get physically aggressive, and it can turn into a really bad scene, which it was. So I did not like that about Jawan Howard's. Um, you know, actions that said, you know, understanding who Greg Gard is, who Joe Krabenhoff is and like that Wisconsin program and the way that they do things. Um, I am going to be the last person who stands up and acts like Greg Gard is some innocent guy in this, some, you know, poor, um, you know, bystander who got sucked into something by a, a bigger bully in Juwan Howard. That is not what happened. He absolutely in, you know, incited things when he grabbed Howard the way that he did. It was clear that Juwan was upset and he, you know, I, maybe he overreacted in terms of to the timeout. Maybe Juwan shouldn't have cared that much, but he did. And all he wanted to do was get through that little line and, and, and not say anything and go back to the locker room and stew about it. But Greg Gard, in kind of stopping him, in grabbing him, in kind of disrespecting him the way that he did, um, he certainly stepped over a line himself in in kind of the way that uh, and and played a role in it escalating the way that it did. And I'm sure that many NBA players would see it that way because Juwan Howard was one of the most respected NBA players in the league when he was there, um, an incredible leader, um, a, a fiery dude. And he just, um, he has a lot of support from a lot of veteran players, even though he's been retired for a little while now. And, and so I do think that there would be some people that would be disappointed that Wisconsin got off with a $10,000 fine and give me a break with the grandstanding from the Wisconsin athletic director in the statement that he sent out. Um, You know, when you have Greg Gar doing what he did, when you have Krabinoff doing what he did, when you have that, that joke of a trainer, yeah, Brad Davison, when you have that joke of a trainer or strength guy or whatever, doing the, 
the pro wrestling chop to his groin to everyone. It's like, get out of here. You're not innocent in this at all. And um, just like, look, there's few programs that I respect less than Wisconsin for the way they operate, especially coach Greg guard, who has had many problems with players and, and things like that. So uh, I am not going to be one that's playing a violin for him in this situation. Let's get a final thought on the wolves from John. Thanks again to head flyer brewing. Tell him John Krasinski sent you. TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR Time, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped, manscaped.com, Tuttle's Eat Bowl Play in Hopkins, uh, Great Bowling Alley connected to a great sports bar, and All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. Fire away, John. Yeah, I just, I'm so excited, Jim, for the games to kick off this, you know, this stretch coming out of the break. Um, right before we went into uh, the break, we had the D'Angelo Russell situation where he kind of challenged the fans to man up and the fans did respond. Uh, they, they really packed target center. They, they're, they, um, they, they really kind of came out and especially in the first game against Charlotte, they were really loud and really rowdy, a little less so in the, in the back to back against Toronto. But um, I feel like there is a little momentum building that th- Thursday night against Memphis is going to be really, really fun. And then you get Embiid versus Towns on a Friday night in Minneapolis. Like, this is what I think Wolves fans have been waiting for. Uh, this is going to be a real opportunity to get in there and to, you know, energize a place. And, you know, they're two great teams. They're going to be great tests. And let's see what the Wolves are made of. But it should be really, really fun environments at the arena um, on those nights. And, you know, we've been waiting for a long time for games to really matter like this, for to have real emotions involved in Timberwolves basketball. And there's going to be plenty of emotions involved coming, you know, against the Grizzlies and against the Sixers. So uh, it's going to be just a really nice springboard. We'll see how they do. And uh, it could really set up a, a fun final 23 game sprint to the playoffs. Should be fun. Uh, Thanks to John for such great stuff. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening, and we'll be talking to you soon.